and welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin, with an American accent. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, actually, uh, Gavin's been, for uh, international Gavin's been canceled. So yes, he, he's been he's been trying to do a lot of French accent and missing missing by a few thousand miles. However, each time. with next week's episode, since we've already recorded it, maybe I'll bust one out. Maybe international Gavin will be back <laughs> with one of his best accents ever. But anywho, how are you today, good sir? I'm doing quite well. Uh, it, was a, it was a world collide day, a martial arts dance world. Uh, our our sensei, our senseis, our sensei and senpai uh, came in, Sugarfoot Cunningham with Herman Balthazar and worked with our uh, dance academy dancers. I had a really great session. Really, uh, really proud of how how well the kids did. Awesome. That's amazing. We love to see that. We love to see the combination of different arts coming together, uh, expressing the human body in different ways. And I think it's a great program you guys have, and I hope it continues to flourish. Likewise. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we're recording on an unusual time. And as we mentioned, we've already recorded what will be the May 10th episode. Uh, And this episode will be the one that's dropping in two days. So it's a bit of a rushed episode. Probably won't be as long as our normal ones, but I guarantee you, you'll like the one next week. And that one is a little bit heftier. And for today's episode... uh, we're just going to be doing Kung Fu Comfort Films, Volume 4. And I don't think I have any repeats because I have all mine written down. But as we are notorious for, we sometimes change at the last second. Mm-hmm. So if there are any repeats, there might be one. I don't think so, though. I apologize in advance. And if any super fans want to call us out, well, I'll just, you know, be happy well, that we have super fans. <laughs> yeah. In, in, that, in that case, I'm going to repeat all five films yeah. from before and see if a super fan calls us out. Nice. Nice. All right. So uh, what else is new in the world of Gavin Kelly? Well, in the, new, in the world of Gavin Kelly, uh, I have been clickbaiting away on, on Twitter. Like, I don't know what's going on. I see these headlines. It's like five celebrities who do martial arts. Nice. And I'm like, oh, I got to see who these five celebrities are. But then it's just like, it's a waste of time. Yeah, it's it's nothing special. <laughs> it's like dumb ones. Or what those lists always are, it's like ones everybody already knows, and then there's maybe one quasi-obscure one, but anybody that's in the world of martial arts will know. So for I'm going to give an example. Like the one would maybe be Tom Hardy, you know, competes in jiu-jitsu and won uh-huh. a jiu-jitsu tournament recently and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's really cool, and that's very legitimate and stuff. But usually the other ones are the classic, like, Michael Jai White, like you said, it's like, yeah, <laughs> no, Michael it's like, Jai I knew White this, like, is a martial artist. He's he's equally, he's an incredible actor, but he's also, I think he would even say maybe first and foremost a martial artist. He lives that martial arts life. You, you, yeah. can't, you can't say actors who do martial arts. He's, he's a martial artist who is an actor and an actor who's a martial artist. They go hand in hand. Yeah, you, you, don't, you, you don't expect to open an article about actors you didn't know who do martial arts and see his name there because like he's synonymous with it. Well, then there's also ones where they'll just get the information wrong. It'll be like Jason Statham has a black belt in kickboxing. <laughs> and it's like, uh, no. Now here's the deal. There are certain branches or styles of kickboxing or even Muay Thai that have rankings and sometimes even like just adopt the black belt. And I think if you have a legitimate organization, you can do that. And technically like, Scott Atkins was a kickboxing instructor early on, and I think he has like a quote-unquote black belt in ISKA kickboxing or something. That's totally legit. But I mean, they're they're just kind of pulling things out of their butt in a sense when they had write an article like Jason Statham. And then people, then it, it snowballs. And then it's like, yeah, didn't you know Jason Statham was a kickboxing champion? I heard he choked out Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there you, exactly. And that's how rumors start. And now we just started the newest one. Yeah. Jason Statham was there on the set of Hard to Kill. Oh, no, wait. It was Out for Justice. Oh, wait, no. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, Mark for It's, it's always a, mo- it's it's a moving a, target. It changed multiple. Like when I heard this story firsthand from Bob Wall, and I know, name dropping, this would have been when I was 15. So over 20 years ago, I'm eating tamales with Bob Wall. Ooh. I like the Stockton Civic Center. I know, random. This is all random. Story for another day. And he told me this story. And keep in mind, we're, we're talking about, you know, early 2000s. Internet is still like, I wouldn't call it its infancy, but it's, it's very normal to just not even 
cruise the internet that much at this point. So it's not like this. This was an urban legend still. Uh, and so he told me firsthand and he told me it was on the set of Out for Justice, which we've now established that the incident that did take place between Judo Jean and Steven Seagal, the incident, I say, because whatever you want to call it, whether it was a friendly exchange or, or something more, was on the set of Marked for Death, not Out for Justice. But anywho, we're going down that the rabbit hole that uh, it sounded like you're going to say Peruvian rabbit hole, yeah, I, which uh, would be really hard to find. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we've been going down that rabbit hole. Let's not let's move into martial arts movie news. Do you have any movie news? Well, I believe in next week's episode, we do uh, offer our condolences yes. for something that happened last week. So there we go. Yeah. Um, so that'll definitely come up. Uh, otherwise, but, other movie news. I feel like I've seen some trailers of late. Okay, uh, definitely. I'm trying to think. Hiya, because it's May 1st. They just announced what's coming out. I didn't really see anything that caught my eye. Oh, Project Wolf Hunting. That oh. Chinese like horror action like movie that's supposed to be pretty good. That one's coming to Hiya. So and and. The- I was going to ask, is Sisu considered? Uh, you've, you've seen it, so oh. I don't know if the martial arts are in it. No, I mean, there's like one kind of what you would call hand-to-hand sequence. Uh, yeah, I went and saw Sisu yesterday. Great film. It's definitely, it's a Western. So if you are not a fan of Westerns or like the pacing of a traditional Western, I only call it a neo-Western simply because it it's not technically in the usual Western uh setting in terms of like timeline and so forth it's set during world war ii uh so that's why i call it like a neo-western because it's set it's like a war movie but really it takes the narrative structure and uh hero's journey of a western almost or an anti-hero of sorts but highly enjoyable but there is pretty much the one scene you see in the trailer is the one like hand-to-hand combat scene but it's good uh definitely worth checking out but uh, yeah, so the Hiya app announced what's coming out. Uh, we'll begin a few more episodes of the Fist of Fury TV series. And it's funny because they announced what episodes are coming out. And I'm like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. That's, that. what about like episodes five and six? Because I think it said seven, eight, nine, and 10 or something. But then I went back and looked. I just hadn't scrolled over enough. So oh, okay. I, I'm like, oh, sweet, <laughs> I got two more episodes. So I watched one this afternoon. Uh and I'm loving it. I'm loving seeing like all the stuff I've already seen before, but then suddenly there'll be this whole new subplot. I'm like, ooh, this is fun. Uh, other martial arts movie news. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a few weeks ago. I didn't bring it up though. I think they're they're doing a sequel to The Myth with Jackie Chan and Stanley Tong. Is coming wow. back to direct. Yeah. I did not, re- is, will Scott Atkins appear in that? I don't know. I don't remember the fate. I'm Scott thinking Atkins Medallion. Was, yeah, I'm thinking, thinking Medallion. Medallion. It's okay. It's okay. You're all right. You're all right. You're okay, Gavin. The myth. But yeah. the first myth, was that done by Stanley Tong? Yeah, I believe so. I think I, I, think I enjoyed that film. There was parts I, I, I enjoyed. The yeah. Kari Payat sequence was great. And like there was mm-hmm. elements of it. It's like a lot of Jackie's output. And we'll be talking about Jackie a decent amount today. Uh, but Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, there's, you know, his films of the last 20 years, there's some that have moments. Like even Kung Fu Yoga, there was parts I highly enjoyed and then parts where I just wanted to turn off the TV. Uh, and a lot of times it's like they're too long or they're too gimmicky or it's like stuff specifically for the mainland Chinese audience that maybe doesn't translate, which is fine. But then I feel like there's stuff that just nobody is going to enjoy. But then there's there's bits and pieces of classic Jackie in there sometimes with the choreography and the comical beats. And it's just like, but everything has just fallen short. Like even CZ 12, which was maybe one of the closer efforts of the last like 15 years, it it just, it fell short. But anywho, that was announced, uh, the old school guys, nothing I can think of really more off the top of my head. So let's get into, uh, chatting about, stuff but also you have a movie quote for me today i do have a movie quote it is from a previous uh uh, spoiler (laughs) comfort kung fu film uh list i believe it's kung fu comfort film kung fu comfort hey it's monday and therefore i'm tongue-tied oh perfect time to record yes here we go okay uh so there's two quotes I want to pull from this one guy. I've given you a quote before. I'm hoping this is not the same quote. Okay. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go with this one. Diamonds? Diamonds? What? 
diamonds. Rage and Honor 2. There you go. Yeah. Hostile Takeover. Hostile Takeover. Have I done that one? Not that one. You I did done the money. The money. You let them get my, my money. money. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. So I do, I, as soon as you said the diamonds, and then I, I thought you were going to sing the song. Oh, yeah. When he sings He's, it? Uh, yeah. He sings a little song, something about Pretty like- bubbles. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I've watched this movie many times. Many times. I can <laughs> I can tell that. So that's a great quote for, uh, and for everybody, once again, for reference, that's Rage and Honor 2, Hostile Takeover, which I believe is on Prime right now. It might be. It was on uh, Tubi oh, for a little bit. Oh, it's probably on Tubi then is maybe why I, where I saw it. Either which way, we've talked about the Rage and Honor films. I I love the first one, obviously, and I should that should be my favorite simply because our sensei's in it, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, and my other coach, Kathy Long, is in it. But really, mm -hmm. I love number two more. I feel like oh. number two has the better overall fight scenes and the nostalgia factor. I saw number two a lot more growing up because it, it played on Showtime for for some reason a lot when I, I was know, it, in it's, high school. Uh, it's, it, it's funny because I love the number one cover. The That is one of the best straight-to-video film covers with the red and the white and the mm -hmm. black and Cynthia Rothrock on it. It's a fantastic cover. I think it's shot on film. Love, love the story arcs, love the side characters. Everything is right about it. It's what's right with straight-to-video. But my goodness, Rage and Honor 2, Hostile Takeover. The I had it twice on videotape. One is totally ripped ah. and destroyed. I've watched that movie a lot. Then that's when you know it's a good one. And I'm going to yes. be talking about a couple of classic VHS ones that I had that made my list today. Uh, and yeah, so I'm ready to get into this list when you are. I, I am as well. Excellent. And this is random and our listeners are going to have to hear it because I forgot to ask you before we started. What time's that bus you're trying to catch? <laughs> it was going to be 5.05, son. Okay, maybe we can still get you on that bus. So that's our goal Maybe today. we can. Yes. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm also noticing the video, uh, the the battery on my computer is going, this is, is it's shrinking. So I'm going to unplug it at one point okay. after we do our first films. All right, so uh, you go first, my friend. And, and okay. these are, once again, our Kung Fu comfort films are in no particular order. They're, it's not like, this is the number five best one. It's just we pick five movies. So go for it. Okay, my number my number. Whatever for today, mm -hmm. I just got to see this last week, which is why I didn't talk about it in the in the movie news. Is Jean Claude Van Damme's Jean Woo's Hard Target? Yeah, boy! And he's not saying he just saw it for the first time. Gavin no. Witten saw it on film. Thank you for the correction. I saw it on film at the New Beverly uh, this past Friday. I have to tell you, it was fantastic. The audience was primed for this it was just they what they they showed some trailers of some some jean-claude van damme movies before it just sudden death one of my favorite movie trailers they showed that just got that audience ready uh, they were giggling a little bit in the beginning with with sort of the jerry curl of jean-claude van damme and the slow motion how it was moving but then the audience started applauding all in the right place although i will say i may have been applauding in the back row a little early in the movie and then other audience members caught on just the beautiful beautiful film just anytime arnold Vosloo came on the screen gavin started clapping <laughs> randall randall randall, randall. <laughs> next time if i have to come back i'm cutting me a steak also when wilford brimley came on the screen <laughs> the, one, one of the best cajun accents ever on film i i think only byron by not byron by, by, I'm messing up the name because I'm thinking of the comedian. Oh, Bryant. Uh, In Southern Comfort. Yes. You're talking about the big character actor from Tango and Cash. And, yes. Uh, yeah. He had a great accent okay. and Southern accent. This rivals that. Mm. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to share about the film or? Well, it's, I mean, just speaking about the film, I mean, it's, you've got Lance Henriksen, who is phenomenal, is one of the best on-screen villains, period. He had that great uh, film uh, with uh, where he was in the biker gang, great villain. But in this one, he's a little calmer and in, and a little more insane. I love the scene. It's so John Woo, where he's playing the piano and he's doing all these facial reactions. And then you realize he's watching himself his own reflection in the mirror on the other side of the piano as he plays. It's such a great character-driven piece. I, I, the slow motion. Yeah. The way 
the camera trucks, Lance Henriksen, Jean-Claude Van Damme, just so beautifully shot. And it it kind of, there's something special about uh, international directors who come into a location. You, you, they catch street angles that we might not catch as American filmmakers because it's it just, it's like a tourist's eye really exploring and enjoying the area. There, there are moments where it's just building scenes, uh, you know, slow motion shots of just locations. It's really great. Yeah. And for listeners that may not know, this was John Woo's first American film that he directed. Excuse me. And this, he, he was at his peak in Hong Kong. It's not like, oh, mm-hmm. he was on a slum, so he came to America. No, quite the opposite. He had just done Hard Boiled, which is my personal favorite John Woo film. And he just an auteur, really, at the peak of their career. And then he came over to America. And for a little bit of historical context, remember, this is the early 90s. And the handover was going to happen in 97. So a lot of filmmakers, actors, et cetera, were kind of thinking like, all right, maybe we're going to transfer to the West. They didn't quite know what was going to be going on with the industry, et cetera, et cetera. But anywho, this was his first film. And even though he was like recruited to do this movie, the studio still didn't trust that he could handle it, which is absolutely absurd. So they ha- they hired Sam Raimi to be there as like his advisor. And Sam Raimi was just like, you guys are stupid. Like, and he already knew. So John Woo had full reign in that sense, but also it was his first time dealing with the star power of American Hollywood cinema in Mm -hmm. terms of Van Damme. Now I'd say Van Damme was also one of the people that fought for John Woo to direct this, but also had a lot more creative control than John Woo was used to from a star. In the end though, I feel like he didn't really have to sacrifice too much and we still get this stellar motion picture. Probably my favorite of John Woo's Western efforts. I mean, I love Face Off. I love Broken Arrow. Really, I like them all. They all have something to offer, but... Hard Target is just such a good movie. I mentioned it, it before. I was on my friend Davis's podcast, Low Hanging Fruit. I, I, I'm not sure if it's premiered yet, but and I did a lot of research for that one. So you guys should go and check out his podcast and listen to that episode because there's just so much to deep dive on this. A lot of layers to the visuals and you know the, the previously mentioned juxtaposition that he uses and all that good stuff. So really getting to see it on film on the big screen, I should have been there. I technically could have actually, but you know when it came to buying tickets, you know, way before I didn't know. So either I'll t- which I'll, way. I'll tell you that Friday was a really bad traffic day. So you, there's no way probably you, you would have had to sacrifice what everything else you were working for yeah. towards. Yeah, that's a good point. And I would have had to stay. So maybe in a few years, it'll be back. All right. Great first entry. So are you ready for my first entry? I am. I'm on a pool of cords. So you're going to hear you might hear a little click. All right. Gavin is uh, changing his battery. That happens as long as we know beforehand. We don't get angry. That sounded like a fork. Thank you very much. Okay, was that it? Did I hear silverware? No, uh, the the it's. I can see why you say that. There's a metal part on my on my battery, and there's a metal part, a metal leg, on my desk, and so it clicked. All right. Well, here we go. Here's my first entry. This is a film that is now going to return to its status as a Kung Fu comfort film because as a kid, this was one of my Kung Fu comfort films, but I honestly hadn't watched it in probably 20 years. So I just had my birthday like two weekends ago. Jessica surprised me throughout the day. She kept giving me presents and they were all Mm -hmm. Blu-rays that I had asked for. One of those being the... uh, Oh, God, is it Arrow or Shout Factory's recent Jackie Chan collection, 1976 through 1982. Yep. And within that, there's a film that I haven't rewatched because of a lot of negative reviews it's gotten on in recent years on the Internet with everyone feeling that they're a film critic or scholar and even notoriously like Jackie talking crap about it and saying like, oh, yeah, the plot makes no sense, this and that. But really, a lot of his films from that era before he made it big, a lot of them didn't really make sense. And to be honest with you, this particular one, 
its plot makes a whole heck of a lot more sense than the Killer Meteors, which I just watched for the first time. It's part of that pack. And no, that will never make my Kung Fu Comfort <laughs> film list. Sorry, I'm just not a huge Jimmy Wong Yu fan. I try, and I know he's our sensei's favorite next to Bruce Lee. So sorry, sorry, Petey. But anywho, the film is the 1977 low way directed to mm-hmm. kill with intrigue. I had a, I, I was wondering because when you were sending me pictures of the different films uh-huh. you were watching, yes, what so, a great film. Tell, uh, why, why is this now reemerging? Why is this making your, uh, your list? Okay. So as I mentioned before, one of the first Kung Fu movie packs I had was a VHS pack of Jackie Chan movies that I bought at Best Buy in the late 90s. And, you know, certain things I remember, it was one of the first. It may have been the first. I can't remember if I had gotten Samuel Hung's Incredible Kung Fu Master first on VHS. So Best Buy, I mean, I hardly ever go in there anymore. And I feel like it's probably mostly online orders. But back in the day... It had an amazing VHS section, which then evolved into a VHS and DVD section, which then evolved to pretty much just a DVD section. And then kind of now that to change with the times, they do a lot more like household appliances and obviously home entertainment's their big thing, which it always was before. But they used to have an incredible uh, VHS and DVD library in Best Buy, like as good as, but maybe different than say, Suncoast Video, which is one of my other go-tos, you know, you'd have a huge selection at Best Buy. And so they would have like a Kung Fu movie section. And so I picked up this Jackie Chan pack and I mentioned it before. There was a, maybe, I think there was two of them. That's why, for example, I didn't see Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin until much later because that was in the other pack, as was Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, Spiritual Kung Fu. And I can't remember the other two or three. Mine had Fearless Hyena, New Fist of Fury, Shaolin Mm -hmm. Wooden Men, Dragon Fist to kill with intrigue. So those were the five that came in mind. And aside from New Fist of Fury, which I didn't dislike, but I, I enjoyed them all. But and I would watch the them pretty much all on repeat. And I always remember loving to kill with intrigue. Yeah, it had a lot of weird elements in it. But then I just, the, one of the main reasons I probably hadn't seen it in a long time was, you know, I only had it on VHS, et cetera, et cetera. Then you start hearing just all this negative talk about it. And you're like, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't a good movie. And maybe, and then I'm almost afraid to watch it mm-hmm. like that. My memories are going to be broken, but it came with this pack. I hadn't watched it, as I said, in probably nearly 20 years, maybe the end of high school. So maybe when I was 18, so maybe like 18 years ago, I don't know. And I watched it and I still loved it. Yes, the plot is insane. Yes, it is absolutely bonkers. Yes, there's okay. plot holes in the in the narrative. Maybe has some bumpy parts to it. But first of all, a reason I like a lot of these older low way ones is the on location shooting in Korea because they had all of that architecture and buildings and structures that were in the, like the Chinese dynasty style. So. It looks like real authentic China as compared to Shaw Brothers at that time, which was always shot on sets. And now, especially with these remastered Blu-rays, it's even more incredible just to see the extensiveness of the location shooting in South Korea. And so it's very vibrant. It's outdoors. There's a lot of different scenery. And some of the earlier Jackie Lowey productions, even like Shaolin Wooden Men, you know what? All of them... I've come to appreciate the choreography even more, but Jackie mm-hmm. was just so ahead of other people in certain ways, whether it be Samo, even Laogar Lung, in his speed and execution of the choreography and the rhythm. And so the, the, I think ahead. that's that's the key. The yeah. rhythm is real his rhythm was really fantastic. It was beyond just the the give and take choreography. It there was there's it's it's like a master class between uh, it's almost I'll make an analogy and I, I know I like I always say oh, I'm against analogies but then I make it it's like watching the scene uh, in Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino mm. it's not just about when each is delivering the lines it's the reaction and and Jackie brought I I think really brought reaction to choreography particularly in this area it really stands out. And the thing about this movie, as I said, the plot's insane. I won't even go into that, but costumes are great. Uh, the location, et cetera, et cetera. But the fights, so for example, Shaolin Wooden Men, I still love that one. And rewatching that recently, the, the Blu-ray I got, once again, just looks so beautiful. But 
there's bits in there where maybe it's a tiny bit slower, but To Kill with Intrigue, everything was pretty darn solid and ahead of its time. And it's pretty, I'm watching it, I'm like, wow, this is on par with Dragon Fist, which we've talked about, which mm-hmm. was just groundbreaking in a sense, in my opinion. Yeah. But this one, and same thing, there's also a bunch of crazy stunt work and wire, like, you know, wire work kind of almost taking certain elements of the wuxia, but applying it to a gong fu pian with some of the wire work and stunt work too. Uh, you know, with even just jumps and falls and camera work and every fight scene, I was like, this is a banger, right? And even the villain, uh, which I remember thinking, oh, he was kind of wooden. No, he's great in terms of his martial arts abilities too. And he's also jacked. And once again, sometimes that's something you don't even notice till the the Blu-ray re-release, right? But mm-hmm. his name is Shin Il Ryong, and he didn't really have much of a filmography when I looked it up. But I, if I had to guess, he was probably a real-life Taekwondo athlete because he has that kind of big muscular build like some of those guys did, like Casanova Wong. And he's just a great kicker. So I don't want to go too much more into it because we got to get to our other movies. But To Kill With Intrigue is going to be one that I put on whenever I want now, have no guilt about it. I suggest everyone go back and give it a second chance. Don't focus on the plot. Don't focus on some of the other absurdities. Watch it, enjoy the crazy fight scenes, and have yourself a good time. And, and it's fantastic, uh, fantastic review, and also a fantastic. Uh, this kind of leads us to why we pick these films on for for our comfort films. These are films that you can sit down and watch beginning to end, or films that you can have on while you're while you're doing the dishes, doing homework, doing uh, doing whatever, doing a workout, doing you know, sket, doing do- doodling, doing doodling, doing doodling. Yeah, no, doing some, doodling. Some are definitely like that. I like to, and sometimes I only watch them for twenty minutes. And I just yeah. say, all right, I'm good. Actually, that's what I did with Dragon Fist this morning. I needed something on the TV. I yep. wanted something that I liked and or loved, and I had it on for about 20 or 30 minutes. I went to put it back on when I got back from training this morning, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm moving on to something else. But anywho, that's my first entry. Let's hear your second one. Okay, I'm going in a completely different direction. Uh, I'm going with a film that was produced by Low Way, definitely a kind of a crazy uh, script. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm serious. I, spiritual Kung Fu. So it's not a different direction at all. Wow. That is awesome. Because <laughs> at first I'm like, wait a minute. So once again, this exact same era of films being made. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, it, my, my timeline with Jackie Chan is extremely blurry. I cannot say with complete certainty which Jackie Chan film I saw first. There's a, uh, as we discussed, there's a library in Hiroshima where it's a, it's a movie library. It's it's a it's attached to the library, but rather than checking movies out now as we do or streaming them through Canopy, you would go in, you would look at the catalog, you would punch the number of the film you wanted to see, and if somebody else wasn't watching it at that time, it would come on a little screen. You had headphones and you would watch the film. The the Three, the four Jackie Chan films, the three Jackie Chan films, I'm sorry, that they had in there, uh, Spartan X, otherwise Wheels of Meal, Project A, and Spiritual Kung Fu. So I don't know which one I watched first. It probably wasn't Spiritual Kung Fu, but I remember going back to the, to the library to rewatch these three films over and over. And I've... Haven't really reapproached spiritual kung fu in a while, and I did recently. I didn't do a full rewatching of it, and I forgot how much I enjoyed it. It kind of opened. It was essentially, in many ways, my first low way f- film. Period. It was not essentially. It was my first low way film. It might not have been my first Jackie film, and I'm mistaken. They had four. They had Winners and Sinners as well. Ooh. So I had these four films that I would go back and rewatch. You'd have to make a donation to the library, 350 yen, which was probably about two dollars seventy five cents to watch these films. I loved them, uh, and which is about the standard rental rate at like a Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. Like yeah. your your local video store would be usually ninety nine cents for an older movie, but then that yeah. would be the rate for a new movie. And you're getting a great print and you're supporting the library. Like I would go in and, and you, the, the desk was there. They would always know which, which they would always wonder which Jackie Chan film I was going to watch. Uh, the only time I deviated from that was after I saw the Batman film with uh, Joker, uh, with Ooh. Jack Nicholson as Joker. And so I went in and I saw, oh, there's this movie called One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest with uh, that actor who was really funny. Let me play that. Oh boy. That was, but anyway, yeah, that's a story for a different yeah. day. Back to spiritual Kung Fu. It's just, it's zany. 
Uh, I would have to watch these films at least twice, if not three times, to get the story because it's in Chinese with Japanese subtitles. The exception was uh, um, Wheels on Meals. So I would read as much as I could, as fast as I could, and I'd have to go back and reread. And then I would start watching the action and kind of go back and forth and start to piece the story together. Uh, the story I had in my head was a little off than what was really written, but at the same time, both don't didn't make a whole lot of sense uh, completely. But what a great film! Uh, great set pieces, great comedy, great physicality. Uh, some some very odd elements to it, yeah. very odd, but. Just a lot of fun, and if you if you if you want to have fun, which is what you want to do with the Jackie Chan film, this is this is that. And the funny part is of the the ones from that era that weren't in my box set, so that was part of the other box set I was mm -hmm. talking about. And I think I remember what that other box set was real quick. It was Spiritual Kung Fu, Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, Killer Meteors, <laughs> uh, the Fearless Hyena Two. Oh, okay. And then Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin. So that was the so, other box I didn't have. Now, of all those movies, I've learned to Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin was part of this Blu-ray pack I just got. I've learned to I like that one. I can appreciate that one. Still not. Mm -hmm. I don't like as much as my other ones, probably because of nostalgia factor. But it definitely has some incredible choreography and spiritual kung fu. I also enjoy. And has a lot of great stuff going for it. Now, Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, oh, man. never been able to get into that one. As I said, Killer Meteors, probably never going to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, when I got when I got to the States and rented, uh, I think from a local block, blockbuster, Spiritual Kung, Kung Fu, it actually came with Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. Oh, nice. So it was like you got the tape, yeah. the two, it was like a double tape rental. Uh, I don't know how that worked out. It must not have been a blockbuster, but a smaller right. place. And half a love for Kung Fu. All I remember is Dean Sheck doing Sticky Finger. That, you, anyway. Yeah. Long story short, I don't really rewatch that one. Yeah, good call, good call. But, and, you know, hence why I didn't make this box set either. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, great choice. I love it. Any final thoughts on it? Uh, no, I was actually going to pick this further down in our conversation, but when you picked... Uh, Perfect timing. Yeah. And it's interesting because this was something I wanted to bring up is just how consistent Jackie's library of work was even during this rough patch with low way where we know they didn't get along and creative differences and et cetera, et cetera. But even you look at this era all the way up through pretty much, I'd say almost like 2005. Uh, well, I mean, actually no, cause then that's like the tuxedo and the medallion. So really all the way up until 2001, that's when rush hour two came out. I'm trying to think if Shanghai nights came out before. I think Shanghai night, Noon. Well, Shanghai, Shanghai Noon Nights come out, but Shanghai, yeah, Shanghai Nights, Nights. I feel like it was after, after the tuxedo. I think. Yes, I mean, gorgeous. Wait, when oh no, gorgeous, gorgeous was ninety nine before. Accidental those. Spy was. Accidental Spy was two thousand one as well, or two thousand. Yeah, man, he he. That, so, the late nineties, early two thousands. What a fantastic. Yeah, but, but what I'm trying to say is, all the way up through Rush Hour two, pretty much, or mm -hmm. what, and simultaneously about the same time as. Uh, Accidental Spy. So we'll say like all the way to like 2002, his library of work was just so consistent, just so consistent. Yeah, there was the occasional favor he had to do for Jimmy Wong Yu. We got the Killer Meteors. We've got Fantasy Mission Force. We've got The Prisoner, you know, movies like that. But really, he could almost do no wrong. But anywho, let's move into our next entry. So it's my turn. Okay, let me pick one off my list here. Okay, so my next one, I'm going to make this quick. I've done the previous film before. So okay. today I am adding, because I will just put it on, it's on Tubi, and I've watched it numerous times over the last few months, Top Fighter 2. Oh, there we go. So I've done Top Fighter, which was the first one, which is just about all of, like a bunch of Kung Fu movie stars. Then they did Top Fighter 2, which is all about the female martial arts stars. And I absolutely love it. Uh, the narrator's not as good. She's kind of a little more wooden than our guy in Top Fighter. But a lot of great interviews, a lot of great action-packed footage, a lot of top-notch, or I should really say almost all the top-notch female martial arts stars, yeah, they're limited in, like, footage that they can use as Cynthia Rothrock, really, but otherwise, it's great. I mean, they have Michelle Yeoh in there doing an interview for it, you know, uh, and just it's just a great showcase of all these top female martial arts stars, Moon, Lee, Cynthia Rothrock, Yukari Oshima, all of them displaying their action. We just get Clips and clips for movies is just an entertaining comfort film you can put on at any time and be like, yo, 
maybe you only want to watch it for 10 minutes. I'm going to probably get at least one solid fight scene and a little bit of documentary footage or interview, maybe another solid fight scene, and then I'll turn it off. And it's great because it focuses a lot, obviously, on the, the beginnings of, you know, females and martial arts and sports. And then like in the 70s, you know, with Kung Fu movies and the wuxia genre and stuff. But it also has a lot of great footage from the Girls With Guns subgenre of the 80s, nice. 90s. And man, I don't care how low budget the film was from the Girls With Guns subgenre. You're still going to have a good time watching it because just the creativity, the ingenuity, and so many future filmmakers would start off in that kind mm-hmm. of subgenre. I mean, like Stanley Tong, you know, began in that. We've talked about him on Magnificent Warriors and the Angel films and so forth. Uh, Andy Chang, I'm pretty sure, started off on those films. So, yeah, it was just a great time for martial arts films. And this documentary, Top Fighter 2, just pretty much shows you a bunch of awesome fight scenes. I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought this one up because it's been a long time since I've seen it. We talked about Top Fighter before and I mean like I that's that's a mainstay. I used to have two VCRs and I would take portions of Top Fighter onto it as like a motivational VCR or a tape for myself when I was in high school. Uh I'm definitely going to go back, uh click turn on Tubi and uh, check out Top Fighter 2. It's been way too long. Do it my friend, do it. But yeah, just short and sweet. That's my entry. So yeah, next one for you, homie. Next one for me is, it's a question mark if I've already t- uh, brought this one up. Okay. So I was actually going to do this one when I did Spiritual Kung Fu. Uh, is it a martial art film? I don't know. It's a kitchen sink film with a bad guy who does martial arts. Action Jackson. Oh, I don't think you've brought up Action Jackson. We may have only briefly discussed it. Either which I, way, I'm going to allow it because I love Action Jackson. Oh man, is and it's an ultimate. It is the ultimate popcorn com- comfort, kung fu, kung fu comfort. Maybe more comfort than kung fu film. Uh, there's there's uh, amazing stunts in this Pete in this film. Yes, throughout the entire film, it is big Hollywood. It is it 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 could have uh, it could have continued on for Carl Weathers into into sequels, but it didn't. But that's okay. And uh, of course, the villain in this film. And I think that's where we talked about uh, Action Jackson before in, a, in like the top 10 villain list. I think it was an honorable mention. Craig T. Nelson with his silver fox hair, silver fox mullet. Like his hair is like Hulk Hogan's hair. So due to the era I grew up, I, I didn't see this film until I was obviously a little bit older. But so I first obviously know him as most people would as coach. Yeah, so coach. That was, and you know what the funny part is? I guarantee you probably half of our listeners, even American listeners, are like, what's coach? Because back in the day, there were so many good sitcoms and like, so people that were superstars in the nineties, you don't even know. Well, for example, I just read something how Martin Scorsese didn't even know who Ray Romano was when they did the Irishman. (laughs) Uh, And it's like, everybody loves Raymond was one of the biggest sitcoms of all time. But coach was a huge sitcom and coach was huge. It wasn't one that we watched on the regular but we could sit and watch it and enjoy it because that's how sitcoms were. You didn't have to, as long as you were familiar with the characters and the setup, yeah. you didn't need to see the previous you, episode. You had, you had uh, Jerry Van Dyke. You had uh, Dauber, uh, yeah. who does uh, who does uh, the starfish character on, uh, or he does one of the character voices on uh, SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants. But yeah, I don't want to take away too much, but yeah. just he's this very good guy character, right? You yeah, know, he's, family yeah. man, coach, football, college football coach. And then to later see him as this absolutely incredible, <laughs> psychotic, sociopathic villain, you're like, Coach, no. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So he later in his career, he plays a, another great villain, far more subtle uh, in in a film with uh, Walter Matthau and Ossie Davis called I'm Not Rappaport. It, there's a great scene. It was super villainous. Even his character in The Devil's Advocate can be looked oh, at right. as kind yes. of, uh, you know, you, spoiler alert for that movie, you you realize later on, I think it's like, oh, he did kill his wife, right? Like he's this, yeah. you know, guy they're representing and it's like, oh my God, you know, so he's, he, yeah. But uh, yeah, this film, he he has actually what I think is a pretty good martial arts training sequence. His, 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 his practition of it is a little rigid, uh, but better le- than a lot of Hollywood people. I was going to say le- and even yeah, less rigid than Frank Sinatra in uh, the Manchurian <laughs> Candidate. His chops were a little better. That's good. But man, that sequence was good. Yeah. Oh, with James oh. Liu. I know. Was James Liu. They have like, the great Indiana Jones style sound effects, you know, really yes. accentuates it. And the style they give him is kind of a very 
uh, rigid like karate style, but that's what yeah. worked for him. He was able to pull it off and it comes back into play in the ending fight with Carl Weathers, which I think is great, but Carl Weathers obviously utilizes a boxing style, but I, I love this film and it combines so many genres. It, it it's a time capsule for that era. So, you know, you've mm-hmm. got all the action films from that era thrown in there. If that style, lethal weapon, tango and cash, it looks like those films. It also has black exploitation elements with some of like mm-hmm. the really, cheesy lines and dialogue and characters in there. It's got martial arts stuff. It's just such a fun, awesome movie. Highly underrated. I remember showing my friends this one in high school and everybody loved it so much so that one of my best friends, Ben, I actually bought it for him for Christmas one year. On oh, TV. that's sweet. Uh, and it, it, yeah, I think that's a great entry. In fact, it's on HBO Max. I need to watch it. Maybe uh, I'll watch it on my upcoming trip while I've got some time to kill. Yeah, that's a good one. It's, it's a great one to watch. Anytime, all the time. Excellent. Okay, that's a great entry. All right, so let me pick my next one. Once again, in no particular order. Okay, to mix things up a little bit, I'm going to pick a classic one from my childhood, another one I had taped off of TV VHS. I do not have it on DVD. I don't watch as much as I used to as a kid, but I used to watch it all the time. And this is the one I wasn't sure if it had been on a previous list. It's not written down on any of my notes. So, China O'Brien. I don't feel like it ha- has been. We've, We've talked about China it, O'Brien and other, but I don't think it's made one of your lists. Yeah. So, China O'Brien. I'll make it short. Mm. I'll make it sweet. I, as I've mentioned in the past, used to check the local TV guide every uh, Sunday when it would come in the thicker Sunday newspaper. I would go to the movie section and I would check every single movie playing on local and cable TV that week. The entire library of them, usually like a couple hundred films would be in there just to see if there's any martial arts films. I saw China O'Brien 1 and 2 playing on the TBS Superstation in like the middle of the night, set up my VCR. I never trusted the timer. No, so, you can't. I, yeah, <laughs> I would I would hit record early. I would make sure I stayed up late enough. I'd set up for long play mode and I would yes. record before I went to sleep just to guarantee. Yeah, and I, then I'd have to fast forward like two mm-hmm. hours to get to the movie. Mm-hmm. Then you could later edit it onto another tape with your double VCR, as you know what I'm talking yes. about. So I don't want to, we won't get into the technicalities of but VHS piracy. and. I just want to say like th- this recording is, is the safest way to make sure you get what you want. Uh, videotapes in the past, you had SP, uh-huh. uh, standard play, EP, extended play. So it would turn a 120 minute videotape into like 180 minute and then long play, which would turn that 120 minute into like 360 minutes yeah. of recording power. Yeah. But the quality was lower. And then when you're recording it from that to another tape, Man, yeah, that that's some uh, so what grainy, I would do grainy some, viewing. Yeah. So what I would do sometimes is like, let's say it was only uh, you know maybe an hour and a half of white space beforehand. Then I would tape another movie on that same tape at the beginning of the tape, like knowing that I was there in person to do it, and so I could stop it in time. Then I would just have like, okay, this VHS tape has Big Trouble in Little China. Then it has China O'Brien one and two. But anywho, China O'Brien. <laughs> I take yes. these movies, I watch them, I absolutely love them. It was Cynthia Rothrock's pretty much first big American movie after having made a name for herself in Hong Kong. Golden Harvest actually produced it. Uh, Fred Weintraub mm-hmm. was one of the producers. We had Robert Klaus directing it. We had very much a Hong Kong style feel with the choreography and stunt work and some of the stunt team. We have the incredible martial artists of Cynthia Rothrock and Richard Norton who are extremely well versed in the Hong Kong industry and they brought their skills and experience. Then you have Keith Cook, Harabayashi, former guest on an earlier episode. Go check that out. It's like episode three or four of ours. Uh, and you know he is just one of the greatest martial artists of all time and could do any sort of choreography you put in front of him. So we have three of the best movie fighters of all time. We have a, a solid story, which is literally just a walking tall ripoff with a female protagonist instead. Yeah, and it's also a time capsule. It's 80s and we gotta love it. And it's set in Utah of all places, or that's where it's like filmed. So it's it's kind of a cool different feel to it. Small town country Kind of reminds me where I was living for those couple of years. I was more the mountains, but definitely a similar feel. And we just get a bunch of great fight scenes throughout with that Hong Kong style, but also the American hard-hitting style. We have some great characters, some total character actors that that you've never seen before, but they look and feel and act like classic character actors. Yes, the two films were filmed simultaneously at the same time, so you have actors in one movie playing different characters in the next movie. It's okay. We don't care. But I love China O'Brien. I could put it on any time and enjoy it. 
you know, maybe as soon as we're done recording, I have 30 minutes to kill. Maybe I'll put it on. I don't know, baby, but I love it. And the best part is I was watching this movie. So when I, my mom got a Yukon when I was like in eighth grade or freshman year high school, and it had it was one of those later model ones that actually had the VCR built in with the TV in it, like one of the fancy ones, right? When we were kids mm-hmm. and we'd go on a long mm-hmm. road trip, we'd bring in the little 13-inch TV and hook it up to the cigarette lighter, which uh-huh. was extremely dangerous. My older brother and I <laughs> yes. always joke about it because had my mom need to slam on the brakes, that oh, TV that would have gone flying. flying and killed my little brother in the middle. So I'm glad Philip survived. Uh, but so she gets this Yukon that has the built-in TV above <laughs> with the VCR underneath the seat. Oh, And so- Driving down to Dragon Fest 2001, it was like the big treat for me. I got to go to Dragon Fest. I was watching China O'Brien 1 and 2, amongst other films, because the drive for us would have been about five and a half hours from where I grew up. And then first people I meet walking in right in the front, and I got there at 4 a.m. to get in line. So it's one of the first people in there is Richard Norton and Cynthia Rothrock. Oh. And I was just blown away. And then I, I'm like, I can barely talk. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was watching China O'Brien in the car on the way down here. Oh, so, yep, that's my entry. Let's move on to your number three. Okay. Or my number four, I think. Really? Because that was, no, because that was my number three. Yes, yeah, so I'm one ahead. I'm oh. moving on to number four. <laughs> You're good at math. Uh, 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 let's look at these notes. Okay. Oh, I skipped one. That's right. All right, so I'm just going to go for it. I forget which Jeff Wincott movies I've added on these on this list before, but I'm going to go with The uh, Last Man Standing, and I'll tell you why I'm going with that film. You definitely haven't done this one before, so. Yes, well, that's one reason why. The other is I. this was one of the tapes that I broke watching, and I think it is the film that suits Jeff Wincott's talents the most. Uh, and by that, I mean, he goes through a lot of glass in this film uh, and he does his 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 action is a, is more stunt based rather than uh, kicking based um, martial arts. Although I think I'm pretty sure he throws a few in this film, but it's I've always really appreciated his punches a lot. I think his hooks are particularly good on film. His charisma is good on film and his his stunt work is kind of uh, uh, uh I'll say overlooked his, because his he charisma and acting cannot be denied. He yeah. is an incredible actor. And in terms of like the straight to video guys, and we've talked about this from that time, he, he deserved bigger projects based off his acting ability. Yes. yes. And it would have been interesting to see what he could have done with like a more seasoned Hollywood stunt coordinator that worked with, actors yeah. you know like like a or even like a director like simon west who did like a con air type movie right absolutely absolutely that's yeah. a great that's a that's a really great point because what he can convey and do on on film and what he's willing to do on film kind of deserved uh a different maybe some different uh vehicles for him not that any of his uh, quite honestly all of his vehicles are pretty legendary until it until it goes a little independent where you know i mean that all that happens as as the funding dries up in the straight to video market you know uh you make sacrifices and a lot of times a lot of those films were making sacrifices with story or casting so the people he was working with like in uh I think there's one where he's the fatal combat or something the 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 final opponent it just doesn't measure up to 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 what the film deserved or what he deserved. But with that said, Last Man Standing, I think is is the his his greatest film. Mission of Justice, of course, great film. Everyone knows the gauntlet scene, but when it comes to Last Man Standing, there's some phenomenal stunts and it's more it's more story-based. It's more it re- relies on his charisma and I don't know, just just uh I think it's uh, it's a really fun film, and I broke the VHS tape watching it. Nice. I love it. That's a great entry. Uh, cool. Any final notes on that? No, it's hard to find. Very hard to find. Yeah. All righty. So there we go. So my number four, once again, don't think it's made the list. I've talked about this movie plenty. I don't think we did an episode on it. Maybe we did. I don't know. But is- John Wick 4? No. Is- uh, <laughs> Excuse me, the Golden Harvest film, When Taekwondo Strikes, starring June Ri, Angela Mao, Wong and Sick, Carter Wong, 
Sammo Hung when Taekwondo strikes. Wonderful pick. Mm-hmm. I am racking my brain right now. We have discussed it in in theory, but not. I don't think it's ever come up on the show. Yeah. Like from a from a list perspective, I don't think so. Maybe or we did an entire episode on it, and we don't remember, which is very possible. But doesn't mean I can't also put it on a kung fu comfort film list. But of course, if that's the case, obviously we'll we'll keep it a uh, a little short. You know what? I'm gonna win. Are you going to Google on our, or not Google, but do a search on our website? Yeah, on uh, SoundCloud. Nope, we haven't done an episode as far Excellent. as I know. Okay, so when Taekwondo strikes, here's the deal. I had this as part of an Angela Mouth three pack of DVDs that I got uh-huh. in high school. And it was a super gritty copy, but not a VHS pan and scan one. So once again, it's oh. hard to explain to people. Uh, in the early days of DVDs, a lot of the Kung Fu movies we get, we get these 20 packs, right? You get five <laughs> movies on one DVD and they were just rips from VHS, which were sometimes even the VHS versions rips from like TV edits of them. So it would get wonky. The, the, what, what do you call it? Like the, the measurements for the screen. It'd be mm-hmm. like sometimes mm-hmm. warped or, you know, kind of s- spread out in the wrong way. This version I had was not like that at all. It was a straight, oh. it looked like, you know, a straight, theatrical like rip or whatever or maybe even the bhs one was like that but it was super grainy like it looked like a grindhouse film kind of like an effect you can do on purpose now like it looked like machete so that was the version i had it had all the the popping and cracking on the screen but otherwise that's like like a direct rip from a from film exactly that's what i'm saying and otherwise it was a super clean copy which was really interesting to me so now the film is available, for example, on Hayat, remastered, beautiful, and I believe I have some inside information that is going to be coming out on Blu-ray at some point in the next year or so. I'll definitely pick that one up. But and now that it is on Hayat, I can watch it. I've literally watched it, I think, five times since it's come out on Hayat because I just put it on. I don't necessarily watch it all the way through. It's just a great film. The opening sequence is Unlike other films where they're demonstrating the Kung Fu, they're demonstrating Taekwondo. And it's very theatrical in the sense of everyone will be still holding a stance while Master Jun Ri is in the front, like moving and doing a kata. And then it cuts to Angela Mao doing more of a kind of a fluid Kung Fu style one. But really, it's a cool, interesting film because it's really the only film Jun Ri started. I believe he made another movie in Korea that's unavailable, but we're just going to call it the only movie he starred in. He's a fantastic martial artist, as many people know, real-life friend of Bruce Lee. We've got Angela Mao in there, an early role from Angela Mao. I shouldn't say early role. It's like she was, you know, already a star at this point. Uh, an early role for Sammo as a villain, of course. you got Carter Wong as another protagonist. you got Wong and Sick in there as a villain, as a Japanese villain, and he's a phenomenal kicker. It's just part of that early era of Golden Harvest where, once again— on set shooting, but also on location shooting. So we get that dynamic presence of being outdoors. Not so much as other films from uh, Golden Harvest, maybe, but still, we we kind of get that nice little mix. We get some very solid fight scenes, kicking-based. Jun Ri does a fantastic job, being that it's his first movie, but just goes to show why he's the father of American Taekwondo. And solid action all around, solid choreography, And it's just a great classic Kung Fu movie that the martial arts aren't even like technically really supposed to be Kung Fu. He's obviously doing Taekwondo. That's a main part of the plot line. You know, it's Korean rebels and then they escape to Manchuria. Angela Mao's character is Chinese, but she does Hapkido. In the English dub, at least they even say, your Hapkido is top notch. The villains are all Japanese doing more Japanese martial arts. So really it's a Kung Fu film that technically doesn't quote unquote have any Kung Fu. But I highly recommend it. You can check it out on the Haya app. Great fight scenes throughout, a ton of fight scenes. And uh, you also get to see Andre Morgan play the priest. And Andre Morgan was a mm-hmm. producer at Golden Harvest, very influential over there in terms of like the stuff he did in the early Bruce Lee years and over the uh, through the Jackie era, et cetera, et cetera. But yep, that's my entry. I'm going to keep it short. I love the film. You could put it on anytime, have plenty of fight scenes. And there we go. When Taekwondo strikes. Well, Andre Morgan helped produce uh, Martial Law, the TV show with Sammo Hung. Correct. Amundo, my friend. Um, so we're next, we're at mine. And I was just doing a quick search just to make sure this wasn't also on the list. Um, 
because I'm thinking about films that uh, I either broke on the with the VCR or was afraid of breaking, had too many breaks in the past, so I got an extra copy on a VHS tape. And I am, of course, speaking of the Richard Norton film, Sword of Bushido. Oh, man, you you lucky son of a gun, because I have technically never seen it. That's right. I know. Yeah. And I have I have it pulled out for the next time that we're hanging out together. I'm either bringing it up or we're going to watch it on a VCR, uh, VHS. That's the main issue is like we both have VCRs. We don't have anywhere to set them up at yeah. the moment. Yeah. But uh, sort of Bushido. I loved this film when I was younger. It has some great fight sequences. Uh it has as your lead villain Toshi uh, Obata Sensei. You have, of course, Richard Norton in it. You have some uh, action sequences in um, in I think the Philippines. What well, it all takes place in that in that area or Indonesia, Philippines, where it's shot. But there's some great comedic moments where he's on a go kart chasing down some villains, and it's actually kind of some dangerous stunt work. You know, previously I was mentioning, you know, Last Man Standing has some great stunt work. This is also another film with great stunt work, which is something that's indicative of this era. If uh, if you wanted to make the film big and you didn't have the budget, you just uh, I think you just took risks and this t- film takes risks but it also in that era of richard norton when he wasn't working with cynthia rothrock some of his films are you know maybe borderline exploit exploitive here and there or uh you know little you know a little wonky here and there with all due respect uh but this is one of the, I think, from that era, the early 90s, one of his, or late late 80s, early 90s, I think early 90s, one of his great, greatest films, um, and and kind of like the tightest films uh, to emerge. I'm really looking forward to when I get to see it, because I know I'm going to love it, because uh, I, I pretty much love his entire library of work, but especially from that era that you're talking about. And I remember seeing the artwork for it when I was a kid and like other movies of his that I didn't have access to. Over the years, I eventually did. Like we've talked about how much we love Under the Gun. We did a whole yeah. episode on it. But this is one of those ones that still escaped me. So one of these days, maybe we'll just go to Colburn because they have a VCR. Yeah, they, we yeah. do. And we can put it up on the big screen. Yeah, so maybe that's what we're going to do. We can do a live days. watch party. Yeah, what's up? Next time um, Next time Richard Norton's in town, uh, we'll give him a ring. Okay, and, let's do it. And see if he wants to come down. Uh, who knows? Maybe he would. But I, I will tell you, uh, I did get to watch this with Richard Norton. He was doing a little conference in LA. Uh, there's some people that came over from the Jackie Chan magazine. And I was, I was attending that as well. And they like sent out a feeler like... We're going to show two films. He's going to critique, go through them with us. What are the two films you want to watch? And I just said, Under the Gun and Sword of Bushido, because I hadn't seen Sword of the Bushido at the time. Uh, that was like the one film I couldn't get my hands on before I owned the videotapes. Uh, so he came out, and those turned out to be the two films we were watching. And of course, uh, his wife is in uh, in both, but his wife is in uh, Under the Gun, or not Under, of course, Under the Gun, but also Sword of Bushido. And there's a scene where they they get a little intimate and as we're as we're watching it with him he's like that's my wife (laughs) like it was very but he was like giving us live critique it it was you know for people that don't know not only is richard norton we've talked about this one of the nicest human beings on the planet just just, i can't say it enough he's also funny and he'll do like funny little lines and he'll do funny little things like that uh so yeah i could just totally visualize him saying that yeah, yeah, and I mean she's there too. They're both, they're both, and, yeah. and, and you know everyone's everyone's laughing. But it, it was a it was a great screening experience. And then after that, I went back to visit Japan, and then I well, one of the video stores was closing down, and they had that oh, sort of yeah. bushido there. So I bought the Japanese copy. Yeah, and that's the one you gave me, I think. Is it, did I give you that one, or did I give you uh, Lady Dragon? Oh, you gave me Lady Dragon. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Same, same, I bought those at the same time. Yeah, so we got we got to watch both of those. Okay, so fantastic final entry for you. My final entry. I'm starting with a Jackie, technically ending with a Jackie, even though he's not uh, the star. This is a film you've already mentioned in this episode briefly. You just kind of said it. I ended up watching it on my birthday, even though I had no intention of doing it, because you jokingly sent me a bunch of gifts, uh-huh. and <laughs> you said something about me watching it, and I was like, actually, I think I'm going to winners and sinners oh i love it yes it is it is 
man. And rewatch film. every time I watch it, I'm like, you know what? It, it and this is a bold statement, but of the Lucky Star series, I think it is the best one over as an overall film. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. you can say what you will about the fight scenes and different elements. I think like as far as wacky comedies go, like if we were to take winners and sinners out of the picture and just talk about all the wacky action comedies from that era and then specifically My Lucky Stars, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, New Lucky Stars, whatever, whatever, then I would say Twinkle Twinkle's the best one. But Mm -hmm. Winners and Sinners is just a great overall film. It's funny. It has local humor, but it's not local humor that international audiences won't understand. It's It's, got phenomenal action. You know, it's a while before we get into the real action, but once we do, holy moly. And it was groundbreaking. It was one of those first contemporary martial arts films uh, in Hong Kong with the contemporary, like, modern-day style without, quote-unquote, traditional kung fu. It has has one of the best cameos in a martial art film ever. And I'm talking about Yoon Biao in the park with Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah, with Jackie Chan. We get this short little... Because, once again, Jackie Chan kind of has a... More than a glorified cameo, but a very supporting role. Kind of a glorified cameo. And and then Yoon Biao has a a super, super cameo. Yeah, with Moon Lee. Yes. That Moon Lee plays his girlfriend. So yes. uh, she would have only been like 17 or 18 at that time. But yeah. And so incredible action, but also the humor, unlike the other ones which we've talked about. And as a kid, I've mentioned how when I saw My Lucky Stars, because that was the only one they had uh, to rent at Hollywood Video in the Hong Kong section, I really didn't like it because of the pervy humor and the English dub of it. Like with those movies, it's almost like Winners and Sinners. I love the classic English dub. That's the version I like to watch because mm-hmm. it's also less of the mole tao and uh, language based uh, like puns and so forth. But, you know, I remember watching My Lucky Stars as a, a kid. And obviously I loved the action set pieces, but it really isn't until the finale that we get the big one for My Lucky Stars, which is worth the price of mission alone. But it was all the pervy twisted humor which at me at like 12 or 13 you'd think that would be the age to like maybe appreciate it but no i was like these guys are weird and yeah. so i i turned away from the series for a long time but winners and sinners i had always wanted to see because it was featured in bruce lee the legend of uh, mm-hmm. previous kung fu comfort film of mine when they're talking about jackie chan and i saw mm-hmm. the clip of it and i'm like wow i really want to see this movie and so when i finally got to see it I, I loved it, even though it was the newer English dub at that point in time. And I was mm-hmm. like, eh, not as good. But it's just such a great, solid film. As we've mentioned in a previous episode recently, actually, yes, Richard Ng's whole invisible sequence, he it's does fun. go, he goes to spy on the girl in the bathtub, but it ends up being she's in a bathing suit. So it's fine. That's like kind of part it, of the joke. That's the one only of, bit of like quasi even perverted humor. Well, and even, but even that sequence alone, um, Richard Ng pu- puts in one of the greatest on-screen nude but blocked at every turn of comedy segments that you'll see I, it's it's definitely right up there with peter sellers in a shot in the uh, shot in the dark and it's right up there with austin powers it's it's on par Agreed. i mean there, there are a few others where you know there's there's a cactus bush blocking there's a you know there's always something blocking the the one area that we're not supposed to see but essentially his friends trick him into uh believing that the that he's because he's trying to become invisible that the clothes were the clothes were the hindrance and that's so he comes out naked and then they pretend they don't see him he's going throughout the house uh, but even so even the the slight uh pervy nature about it at the at the tail end of it uh it just works it's actually uh yeah it, it just it it completely everything works uh in this film uh comedically and action wise and i I, yes it is technically part of the the lucky star series but it also kind of isn't and because they borrowed a ton of these plot elements for the my lucky stars movie it's almost like they revamped it and yeah you know cranked everything up to an 11 including like pervy stuff because for example in this movie yes they all want to date the sister uh, of the john shum character because she's the only female but it's it's never like pervy or twisted or predatory really it's just they're a bunch of losers and they're all they're all they're all out of prison they met in prison they're they're desperate losers that can't get the girl to even like notice them but and once again it's very innocent and funny and even there's slight subtle things that uh, that are just so 
comedically genius, even the sequence where they're trying to get rid of uh, the brother so they can all try to, you know, see if they can get the girl to hang out with them. And yeah. when they they're hitting guys on the back of the head. And then when oh, the guy it's such will, a great yeah, scene. That's they, so fantastic. The guys will turn around and they'll all pretend they didn't hit him. Well, they have John Shum's character hit Chu Chi Ling on the back of the head. And for people that don't know, he's a, a Hungar Kung Fu master in real life and did a ton of Kung Fu movies. And so when he turns around, the rest of the group looks at him. Are staring they, at they him. They stare at him. They stare back. And it's just their physical comedy. It, it's such a a blink and you miss it type moment. But that right there, I started laughing out loud this time watching it just because it's so good. The looks on all of the actors' faces. And they're like, finally, you hit him? You know, it's, yeah. it's, and so that's the thing about this one is the humor is brilliant. It's local, but international. Everyone can watch it and appreciate this movie. You can watch it in Cantonese. You can watch it in Mandarin. You can watch it in the English dub. Mm-hmm. Still love it. Also, as I've mentioned before, it's one of the few movies I can watch in Mandarin and I, I really understand most of the movie. I don't know why That's this one in particular. It's just kind of the simplicity of the dialogue, but also great stunt work. The whole roller skaters, roller skating scene. Well, the roller skate sequence is phenomenal. Yeah, so dangerous a, stunts. Oh yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. But that's my final entry: winners and sinners. That's a great entry, and that that is I will I would say that is if we ever had to compile a list of okay, these are the greatest kung fu comfort films. It would be hard not to put Winners and Sinners on that list. Fantastic choice. Thank you. And so, uh, yeah, I think we both had some amazing choices today. Unfortunately, you did not catch your bus. I'm sorry. but It's okay. There's a demonstration in downtown, so I'm probably going to take the train. Perfect. The, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, and we're right about our usual time. So I'll finish off with the language corner today. I didn't even think about it until just now. So I... Th- Figured what, since we're talking about Kung Fu comfort films or some of our favorite films, I'm going to teach us how to say favorite. So, favorite in Chinese, zui xi huan. Zui xi huan. Perfect. So, uh, my favorite Kung Fu movie is Police Story, which, I mean, I'm just randomly picking one. But, so, xi huan means to like, to like something. Xi huan. Yeah. Like, wo xi huan Gavin. Wo xi huan. I like Gavin. Oh, yeah. Or, I like to eat Chinese food. So, when you're making something the most of something, you add uh, before it, zui. 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 So, zui xi huan means favorite. If you did like zui da, that means the biggest. Or, uh, what would be another example? Zui uh, gao, uh, the tallest. So, like, Gao is tall, so you just say zui gao, like that's how you say tallest, zui. right? Zui. Or zui xiao, uh, like xiao is small, so zui xiao, the smallest. So it's pretty, so you're literally just saying the most like. Nice. Zui xi huan. Zui xi huan. My favorite kung fu actor is Bruce Lee. Shi ma. Shi. 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 <laughs> you did not lose me at all. Okay. Honest. I said ever since I was little, Bruce Lee was my hero. Oh, ta, so ta sweet. He influenced me. He's a, a good person. I mean, you, you, there's other ways you would say it, but yeah, technically, yeah. yeah. Good job. I like it. Okay, okay, my friend. Let's finish up there. This has been awesome. And I will talk to you Probably we'll be recording the end of next week. Sounds good to me. All right, brother. Catch you later. Take care. Peace.